This is Aikido Discussed, your regular weekly Aikido podcast where we talk about everything that is the martial art of Aikido. I am Christopher Hine, head instructor at Aikido of Fresno, and with me is... Joshua Tihi, assistant instructor at Aikido of Fresno. And Maya Solana McDaniel, first Q and student at Aikido of Fresno. Yeah. In it for another episode. Yep, here we go. This is 98, I believe. Wow. We're getting so close to that 100 uh, episode mark. Yep. If anyone has any ideas of things we should do for that 100th episode, let us know. Yeah, let us know what you want to hear. Right up front, we're going to say it. Send yeah. in those ideas. Yeah. Because we got nothing. Because <laughs> we could do like 100 backflips. <laughs> um, and just like they would just yeah. listen. Yeah, just we, could, we, could, <laughs> yeah, we could have uh, 100, oh. uh, 100 seals come in the Is studio. Is that like, like, like <laughs> kindergarten? Yeah. Like in kindergarten where they're like, it's the 100th day of school. Bring in a bag of 100 something. Marbles. Yeah. Usually it's marbles or like Cheerios or something. Yeah. We could count 100 Cheerios. We could just count to 100. Yeah, we just count to 100. That'd be really interesting. That'd be auditorily like a really great experience. In Japanese. Oh. Mm -hmm. That'd be good. Can you do that, Josh? Nope. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. So, but that's not what we're doing. That's he convinces himself into it. He's like, "Yeah, sure, yeah." That's duh. that's two episodes from now. I got time. He's gonna go home and practice in the mirror. Yeah. What? Uh, but we He's do practice going to 100 Japanese in the mirror. Yep. <laughs> is that or is that not true, Josh? May or may Looking not. Look at himself, Ichi. Me. So you have to strike a pose at every single one. That's also, right. I will just a well-known Aikido. I'll pose. just do the 31 count kata. Three times. With an Plus extra one. seven. Yeah, and the six count kata, and then some other random move. <laughs> Boom. There you go. We got it. See, I can add and everything. All right. <laughs> I, I wonder if is this the part people like uh, up on the podcast? Or the, they, this, this is the part they bear. This, this yeah, the they, they fast, fast forward, forward this or, shit and then get right into the real stuff. Everyone just automatically presses 15 second skip. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> them. Smart idea. Smart idea. <laughs> All right, we should put a little thing in there. It was like real, real stuff happens here. A little marker, you know, so people will know. Right. Timestamp it. Timestamp. Yeah. We do have stuff to talk about today. We do, though. believe it or not. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and lay it out for us? I think we're going to talk about Koki Ryoku and Furunoshise. All right. Uh, and by laying out, tell us what it <laughs> like. So yeah, so tell really us what that jump is. In. <laughs> Uh, we can see so, where all of our minds are. So we're going to talk about how we make power uh, in ideally the most advantageous, efficient, and least effort-causing way. Uh, and then also how we um, make our body immovable, um, like, but strong, our body super stable, how we, how we become very stable. Uh, and what that is. And, and so this kind of comes out of a couple things. So we've been kicking around, or I've been talking about. So I was talking about I wanted to make Yoshiba the Trickster, um, which which apparently these two still want to do. But uh, but then we were talking about They were like, well, we did an episode on Aikido and Magic, and so it's going to be kind of similar. Um, and I would forgot that episode. And I was like, oh, yeah, we did. So so then we were talking about stuff. And so we kind of wanted to talk about um, Koki Ryoku, like how you make power, and Furunoshise, how you receive power in a way that you're not bothered by it. Um, so kind of um, the way we break up Aikido, uh, there's a big section of Aikido that's um, Tai Sabaki, so how you organize uh, your body. 
Tai Sabaki is made up of Ashi Sabaki, so how you move, how you use your feet. Um, uh, Koki Roku, how you make power. And Ukimi, how you receive force, right? So um, if you kind of just look at those three things, those are the three important parts of uh, Tai Sabaki, which is how you move, how force comes into you and you manage it in some way, and how you um, make, make force come out of you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so we're not going to talk about Ashi Sabaki, and we can definitely do an episode about that. But um, I wanted to talk about both Koki Ryoko and Furunoshise because I think a lot of schools kind of confuse the two, and it's not really a big deal. But it's just like you know, it's it's they're not two separate things, and so like it kind of looks like one thing, and it's easy to kind of mix up what those are because they both seem really powerful and neat. Um, they're just they're they're different. They're you know, different, yeah. one's a an Ukimi, uh, so like Furunoshise is Ukimi. It's like how something comes into me and I manage it, and Koki Ryoku is Koki Ryoku, you know, and like. If Koki Ryoku, there's like Haragi, right? So like how I align and organize my body uh, in the most efficient way. And there's also Nami Ryoku, like how I make uh, energy like a wave, like I make a wave through my body, which makes force. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. I've been talking so, for a long time. No, no. Um, no, I think this is a good one. And it, it kind of is at a core of all the things uh, that we do. Um because obviously Aikido is a uh, movement-based uh, art. It's also an energetic art, right? Like we're dealing with uh, energies. And this is where people get that, like, oh, use their force against them uh, or whatnot. Um, but we don't ever necessarily talk about how that how that happens or what how we are using our bodies to do that, right? Right. Go ahead. (laughs) I think it's like uh, we tend to either ignore that facet of Aikido or we tend to overemphasize it. It's there, you know, there's kind of like it's one or the other. Um, And and truthfully, you know, obviously it's in the middle. But like, you know, it's something that we have to look at, especially early on in your Aikido training, because um, being able to move your body in these kind of essential ways, how to make force in, in certain ways, in the ways that we need to in Aikido and, and have your body kind of organized in the way that we need to have it um, is really important because if you're, you know, trying to, to execute more complicated things or we're asking you to do is to stack different concepts, if you're, you know, your hands aren't where, the, you know, if your hands are outside of your center or you're, you know, not able to make really basic movements or you know you're falling over like that's not and all that stuff actually happens in, yeah in the oh very all beginning the time. before yeah. people get this stuff which is like they'll try to do a technique and they'll be like uh i why am i off balance why are you off balance? right and i mean not not even just <laughs> the know, beginning or, i mean the beginning it's gross but like you know everyone including me every now and then you need a tune-up on your you know haragi particularly totally. because it's yeah. like it just gets a lot of whack because we make sacrifices, you know, we do that all the time. We don't even think about it because they make things faster, right? So moving like, moving with perfect haragi all the time is kind of like moving like a robot because uh, you've got to keep these really stringent alignments. And so it doesn't allow for a lot of really nice, clean movement. And so, um, or like rapid, smooth, right, efficient right, movement. Right, right, right. And so, um, so, so there's moments where you have really solid Haragi, and then there's moments where you won't have solid haragi right. because if if you're too you know like this is this is a truth of the universe which is you're always trading um, uh, security or stability, stability as we'll put in the place of security in the, in this case and uh, autonomy or uh, movement 
Uh, we'll put, you know, so, so being more mobile means being less stable, you know, and, and, you know, I know people go like, oh no, you maximize them both. Well, you do try, but if you are ultra stable, you are stuck. You right, cannot right. move. You're always right. sliding the the scale right. between those two and trying right. to right. find well, the middle you, point. Well, and if you look at it, if we're going to use the analogy, you know, uh, uh, safety, autonomy, um, you know, like uh, mobility. Um, if I'm in my house, I can be in a panic room and I will be safe from anything. Right. But I cannot ever leave. Right. So until you know? a nuclear bomb comes right. down that will blow up your house and then you right. want to run the fuck right. away. Right. right. So like then you can't do that right. because you're stuck in a safety uh, room. And the, the other flip side of that is uh, the more mobile I become, the more out in the world I am, the less... I am able to control things, and so the less right, safe. Right, right. So. And so you're always you're always bouncing those back and forth. And, and in fact, what I believe, and you know, we can make lots of arguments about this not being true, but basically what I believe is that athleticism is the ability to, to yes. really balance being stable and mo- mobile, right? So like to be able to trade those perfectly, like to completely relax and then be completely, you know, uh, stiff. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stiff's the wrong word, yeah, but yeah. like to be completely uh, contracted, right? So yeah, yeah. completely contract, completely relax at a moment's notice whenever they want at will right. and and that's what makes you athletic because you can always like balance and, and explode over here and then be super stable and you know like so we talk that's about what you want. uh we have talked in the past about cats and how awesome uh, a cat is in that uh, a cat can do just what you're talking about which is go from completely relaxed on a windowsill or whatever to um you know three feet in the air double backflip right to wherever it needs to be you know right um, and that's a difficult thing for human people to do. But right. so let's let's kind of run down how to be for people <clears throat> who maybe don't know because there's and talk about some ways to test it. So some ways for you to be able to say good or or bad. Before we do that, I wanted to mention because I think this is something important, kind of tacked on to my last point, is that like I think people tend to ignore that basic body body alignment, uh, body movement stuff, force making stuff because. Mm-hmm they may be very athletic. And so the kind of people I would imagine that end up um, climbing the ranks quickly or being teachers are often people that are good with their bodies anyway. And so they take to it naturally. And so it's like, well, yeah, like this is something that I want to spend my life doing. Um, And so I can see for a lot of, uh, just a lot of martial arts in general, but, but in Aikido as well, I guess, like that the people that don't make as much of an emphasis on that or don't go out of their way to really, to hit on it and teach it are people that, just kind of have it naturally and they don't realize that other people may be struggling with that on a different level. Like I'm sure they see it and go, Oh yeah, this person needs a little help. But like, it's kind of often a little bit late in the game when they're teaching someone a technique and they're like, Oh man, your hands are like behind your back. Like, why are you, you know, why do you not have how to, you know, um, if it is some of that too, where, uh, people are either assuming that, uh, you will get the, what you need from the techniques uh-huh. so they're doing it backwards so they're saying if you can do this technique correctly then it will teach it will you teach you yeah proper right right um that's, and that's which a is way a, to learn it. Yeah, yeah which is a way to learn i think it's maybe a slow way I, i'm a um, pretty big proponent of people um doing a lot of joe work early on because the joe kind of forces you to have good haragi for example like um it, it keeps your alignments really well um if you don't have good haragi with the joe then the joe does stupid shit so right, right. so yeah having some kind of beginning practice some kind of form to follow helps that kind of start yeah. to sink into you you know yeah but i like i so i think just like depending on the level that you start at like we all come to aikido with different 
you know, different levels yeah. just Some people in maybe. terms of our and bodies. It's, it's both sides too, yeah. you know. So it's also people who are not athletic at all. And so then they, they make a bigger deal out of, of this kind of stuff than it yeah. actually is because they have a hard time with it. And so like it is right. helpful. But, it's magical to them. Right, Because right. it's maybe it's not something that they uh, that they ever really understood. Like, I, you know, I was kind of a like a bit of a floppy kid, didn't have much structure or anything. So when I did do a lot of IQ and figure out, oh, hey, this is really important. Like keeping my hands in front of my center. Amazing. You know, right, like, right. like I can see how like exciting that is, you know, and so making a bigger deal out of it, you know, I can picture myself doing that just because it's, uh, it kind of opens up a whole new world. <laughs> right. So coming back, let's, let's talk a little bit about it and, and some of the ways to, to test and maybe we could talk about why it is that we don't do it naturally because you know we do these martial arts classes all the time and and one of the things that we quickly see is that it is not for most people the natural state right people want to um do everything with their small muscle groups let's say instead of uh moving with a unified body but more importantly let's talk about what that even means unified body and and um, not even why it's important, you know, we know it's important, but what is it and how can we do some checks, you know, if someone's out there and it's like, oh, I don't know if I do that or not. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, we could easily do a couple hours talking about this. But so I'll give you the, the quick and rough of that. So why don't we have naturally, naturally, I'm going to put that in quotes, um, have the ability to use our bodies to its full potential, right? And so so you think, you know, like, well, uh, most other creatures can recognize close to their maximum potential, right? So a tiger probably couldn't max out much more, right? You, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The, the athleticism of a tiger when it's an, a mature adult for most tigers is probably pretty close to maxed out, meaning their mind can do what their body can do. You know, their mind will allow them to do what their body does, whereas uh, we do not do that, right? So like I can take your average person and in the in the case of six months to two years, depending on how far behind they are, I can make them move two, two times to three times as well as they did before because they're, they're not maxed out. And so why does this happen? Um, I think there's a bunch of research on this that's interesting to get into, but, but the rough and short of it is A, we um, start forcing ourselves to do uh, non-natural things really early. And by non-natural, I mean stuff like sit in a chair for six hours. Um, that's not natural. That's a really weird thing. And, <laughs> six and, hours. And so, yeah. More yeah, like well, 18 so for people. Well, yeah, you know? but I mean like a kid, you know, yeah. like like yeah. so what I'm saying is going to school, you're sitting yeah. down the vast majority of that time. So so like at six, five, six is when that shit starts. I mean, yeah. I was sitting with Tim Cartmel once, right? And if you don't know Tim, he's a Chinese internal expert uh, and he really likes posture and thinking about all this stuff. And and we were watching this kid once. I probably told this story in the podcast before, but this is a little kid and he was like, he was like, hey, check out this kid and uh and he's like he's he's moving perfect you know he like he sits perfect he stands perfect he moves perfect and and i was like oh wow is this some kind of freak kid you know and tim's like no all kids are like that and i was like well why do we lose it and he's like because they put them in school and they, they sit them in desks and they start getting bad posture and so i started paying more attention to that um and i noticed it's super super true which is oh yeah you see these two they're both sitting up really nice right now um <laughs> uh, we're both like oh my it, god anyways, my posture but uh, how it started uh, but um uh you know like so when we're young, 
Um, and any creatures like this, you know, you take a kitten, a kitten can't move as well as an adult cat can. Yeah. It takes a while to mature. So we start doing really odd stuff generally at a very young age, like sit in chairs or not lift heavy stuff or not have to make dynamic explosive movements. You know, like the way kids play now and kids kids do a pretty decent job, but, but still it's nothing like when they used to have to climb up a fucking mountain and like catch food to eat it. And, you know, it was, it was different. The training was more rigorous early on as to how to use the human body and now we live pretty plush lives and so and this also goes with josh's second part of that which was why do we not know how to use major muscle groups as well as minor muscle groups because most of what we need to do in our society now is fine stuff right so type oh, on a keyboard move yeah. a glass of water and so what Look we do is we, we really refine our micro movements um and we don't refine our gross explosive movements so right? our bodies are used to making small movements That's instead right. of really big giant right. you know and heavy and, lifting and something. in our society what people can make big big explosive movements athletes because we let them do that all the time right so we put them on a football field and we say hit that as hard as possible run as fast as you can throw this ball as hard as you can and so they get a better seal for this but but most of us if we don't play sports then you don't get that right so you do learn small muscle movement but you don't really master major muscle groups and so because of that and there's a kinetic chain there's all kinds of stuff we could talk about for a long time but basically you think with your brain as you get older and you mature in a lifestyle where you only have to move lightweight stuff around that this is how I do stuff. I do stuff like this. And it's like in self-defense class, I always I break it down. And I, I show like how moving a 35-pound object is different than moving a four-ounce object and how I would use my body differently. And you inherently know this and will do it. But the thing is... When you learn something new, because you're used to processing it with small muscle groups, you'll try first mm, right. to process Process that with it. small muscle groups, right? And, and this is also, as, as we're bad at this and we get older in this, why we tend to like pull our muscles and all kinds of bad shit, you know? Because we do, because we're moving stupidly. We're moving stupidly, yeah. And it's, it's just because we don't do that much with our bodies anymore. So that's why an adult tiger is more able to maximize its body use than an adult human uh, living in our society. We live cushy lives now. Except um, for zoo tigers or in those like caves. Yeah, really. those guys have shitty yeah. They, yeah. and they pull their muscles a lot too anyway yeah that's, a, that's another <laughs> they're thing. big and fat but i mean that's because um, they're not living normal tiger, tiger right. lives right. <laughs> normal tiger lives exactly right and so so that's that's why um and then what was the next part like oh just like what what it like what is it or what are the t what are some tells so that people can can begin to start going oh i'm doing this weird or you know the two the tests the two big divisions you want to look at when you're looking at making force is um, do you have a haragi? And haragi is important both for making force and for furunashise, but it's easier to see in, in uh, kokiroku in my opinion. But So haragi um, and then um, namiryoku. And so so haragi is your ability to keep your alignment and, and most specifically the way to keep your alignment of your hands and your core. Haragi means uh, belly, hara means belly, and gi means ki, like it means like energy, like how I emanate energy from my belly, right? And it's kind of core power. It sounds really magical, I guess, but but basically, it's how do I line my body in a way that I'm strong and powerful. And so, a good tell for that is um, if my arms way out to the side or right in front of me. And so, you know, think about like holding a baby. You know, so a lot of people listening to this probably have a baby, or if you don't have a baby, like think of holding a sack of rice or potatoes or I don't know something. Oh, go get a baby. Yeah, go get a baby. Um, <laughs> don't steal someone's baby. <laughs> Make your own or borrow your you brother's or what, whatever you got, or right? A dog. Think long um, and yeah, hard yeah, if you choose dog, to make your yeah, own. Yeah, whatever animal. Yeah. Think. <laughs> we do not uh, We do not consent. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Get something heavy, you know? 
and hold it right in front of you with both hands and then hold it either to the right or the left of your center and you will instantly notice that it's way harder to hold not in front of your body. And so that's the root idea of haragi. It goes beyond that. But the root idea is that my hands are strongest in front of my body. And, and I often would say um, it's like there's a little magic box in front of your body. And yeah. this magic box allows you to do the strongest stuff and the stuff with the most dexterity. Um, and you can see it the best. Like it's just the best. So, you know, if you were building something, you build it right in front of you. You don't build it to your left or to your right because you're not as efficient moving in those or ways. if you ever have to work on something, uh, and I'm sure anyone who's like built, built something, or had to work on something has done something where they're on a ladder reaching above themselves to do right. work oh yeah sucks. and it sucks yeah you're outside <laughs> of that magic box and there's a reason yeah. that it's you know there's a reason that at the end of that you're like why do i feel so terrible why are my shoulders here? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's why. And, and uh, you know, in that, in this haragi, so the, the there's a rude idea of, like, keep your hands in front of your center. And, and if I need to do something to my right or my left, don't move your arm from the shoulder to your right or left because that separates it from your belly. Instead, turn your belly to the right or left, and that will keep your hands operating in front of you. And when you're looking at techniques like irimi-nage or something like this, um, a lot of times people have a tendency to go out to the side, and that makes them really weak. And if they would align their belly again with, with the work they're doing, uh, they would be way stronger than they were. But, um, and then along with this idea is is an idea of shortening lever length so um you know uh grab you know something that weighs 10 pounds and hold it at a completely extended locked out arm and then take that same 10 pounds and hold it in close to your body right so like hold it with your body you know hold it in tight to your body and you will notice again that that 10 pounds feels way heavier extended out than it does in tight and this is simply because the lever arm's longer, right? So there's more leverage for that 10 pounds to really pull the muscles when your arm's extended out. And there's less leverage when it's pulled in close to your body. So if you're doing like katateroi tainohinko sotomori and someone's holding your arm and your arm's extended way out in front when you turn, it'll be hard to turn. But if you put your hand right in front of your center or touch your belly when you turn, it will instantly be easier because the lever's shorter. So that's also a part of, of haragi. And then another part is that uh, all my my joints um, work in unison, right? So my shoulders work with my hips, my knees work with my elbows, and my wrists work with my my ankles, right? So and th- this is like a, you know it's expressed really nice in in Xing Yi. It's it's the three external harmonies. But but basically the idea is that um, I I get good alignments and and can make good rhythm, and this rhythm will lead us into uh, Nami Ryoku in a second. But um, this good rhythm will allow me to move as efficiently as possible and make the most force I possibly can. So it's not about isolating a joint and using that joint because you're limited by the muscle groups that work that joint but instead to unify all the muscle groups and all the different joints and get them working together in unison um, and this will lead us into the idea of nami ryoku and nami ryoku is simply wave power and so a wave is simply uh, something's made, a force is made somewhere, and it travels through a medium to somewhere else, right? So, you know, there's big bodies of water on Earth, and there's a, a moon, and the moon has a pull on the, the giant body of water, and this pull is extended out through uh, through the water, uh, out to the shores, and this is what we call waves, right? And there can be big, huge, colossal waves, um, but the power's not in the water itself. It's in the pull of gravity between the moon and the Earth, and that's, that's what's making it. Now, in your body, if you try to make a uh, force, at your hands, which is where you need it most, right? So like, you know, you you do stuff with your hands, you hit stuff with your hands, all that stuff's happening in your hands. Those are all really small muscle groups. So if you can incorporate more muscle groups, you can put more force into your hands where you need it. Now, the biggest muscle groups you have are in your legs, your butt, and your back, so, and your core. So if you, if you get those working
working together in rhythm and use those to send a pulse out to your hands, then you'll get a ton more force out at your hands where you need it as opposed to like at your butt or at where, wherever the big muscle groups are. So learning to move in a wave and that, that kind of, you have to kind of put uh, Haragi with Nami Ryoku to get the maximum force, you can send a huge impulse of, of, of energy out to your hands, which is really neat. And you can, and the other thing that uh, is good about that is your body is connected to the ground, connected to the earth, within adds even more right, force right, because right. of gravity. Right? right, and as we get into that, that's that's where it starts to become um, uh, Fudo no Shise, right? And so, I was just going to say, it becomes very stable. That's right. You know, so we Look start, you know, we start with like, how do we structure our body? And that's um, like, uh, structure our body unto itself. Um, like, you know, what I'm saying is independent of anything else. How do I structure my body? Like, yeah, if I was in I... space, how would I structure my body? And that's Haragi. And then how do I... Um, uh, kinetically do that. How do I do that with energy and, and in motion? Well, I do that um, through Nami Ryoku. And then how do I make sure that Nami Ryoku has the best connection to the most stable source possible? And that's Furunoshise, right? And that's the ground. And so those three kind of lined up like that is how we we make and take force both. Um, and, and it kind of is a nice way to do it, right? What's the literal translation of Furunoshise? I believe it is Fudo's immovable. Um, no, she say I think is like a, of attitude, like of um, a, a way to be, mm-hmm. uh, like a like an an essence. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And is that uh, that translation in relate in sort of the relation to the idea of uh, you know the immovable body, which is like um, once I have that as best as possible connection to the ground, I should not be able to be moved or. Or that's the mind sort of mindset that I'm I'm setting. My yeah, structure. like I, I'm immovable, you know. Right. And we'd say in 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 modern Western martial arts, we would say rooting, you know, like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. that was those were the big words in like the 80s and 90s, you know, uh, dark ages of martial arts, um, which was root. I'm rooting myself, you know, and it's like you know, it's like you had tree tree yeah. roots going out from underneath, and so you're really stable. Um, and all you're doing is you're making the best possible connection you can to the ground, and then aligning your body in the best possible way. So to any stay force, with that. right? Any force that comes into you is driven through the structure of your body, uh, most significantly the bones of your body, into the ground, and that will feel ridiculously stable if you have good food on a shise. Um, it's like the earth is backing you up. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, now there are other ways to do that as well, and and when we start to get into these ways, um. Stuff gets tricky, and I think people are, a lot of times are super blown away by this, um, and and it looks like it's something that it's not, you know. Um, so so for example, you know, like um, I can be up off the ground, and I can make myself come down to the ground in a really dramatic way, and people go, well, if you're not even connected to the ground, then how are you doing that, you know? But I can use the structure of the body that's holding me up to bring myself back down, right? You know, so so I can use someone else's body to force myself back down to oh, the ground. Right, right. Um, another thing is I can do, and is- that's like that the the thing you see uh, where. Um- They'll come out and, you know, in demonstrations, they'll have two big guys pick up a little tiny guy and then they'll come back and they'll try to do it again and he won't be able to. So that mostly is another thing. I'll get to that in one sec. Um, so, so like one thing I can do is, you know, like, uh, so I'll, I'll tell you the grossest way and this way doesn't look sneaky at all, but basically the same thing's happening. If someone were to lift you up and then you were like, so grab you underneath your armpits and pick you up in the air, right? Like you would a kid. So if someone does that and then you were to grab under their armpits and pull as hard as you can down, 
it would be really hard for them to continue to hold you up, right? Because yeah. you'd be using your muscles directly against their muscles. So they're not just lifting your weight up now. They're lifting, they're lifting your weight up, plus right. your upper body pulling them down. Now, if you can oh. find ways to use your legs, right? So like in Greco-Roman wrestling, you have a grapevine, which is I use my leg to wrap around someone. And so when they go to pick me up, I pull with my leg and my core really hard and you can't get me up off the ground. So they're just not picking up your dead weight now. They're picking right. up your dead weight plus your, they're my working against your muscles. muscles. pulling myself back down to the ground. Got it. So, so it, pulling, it makes you twice as heavy or something. That's exactly right. Yeah, significantly heavier. Yeah. And it depends on how strong I am. If I'm right. really muscular, it might make me more than twice as heavy. Right, right, right. right. It, so, it, it, it just makes it, it uh, multiplies it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if I could curl 200 pounds and I weigh 150 pounds, I can I can bring even more weight, you know. So it seems phenomenal. Now, if you saw it like that, you wouldn't be tricked. But a lot of the angles and levers we can use make it look trickier than it is. And it's hard to see. Um, and it, it's hard to see... Uh, like, look, I'm not saying anyone's dumb. I'm saying it's just hard to see until you've been trained to see it. So um, there was a, a, a woman named Lulu Hurst uh, around the turn of the century. She made millions of dollars going around the country being this super powerful creature that, you know, uh, grown farm men can't take down, right? Like, she she could control them around the stage with her pinky. She was a strong woman? Uh, no, she wasn't a strong woman. She was a miracle worker of sorts. I can't remember what they called her. Um, so there's uh, uh, Lulu Hurst and then there's um, Abby. I can't remember her name. Uh, she was the Georgia Magnet. There were two women. There were several of these acts that got popular at different times. Lulu Hurst is the one that I've read the most about. Um, she learned a lot of leverage tricks. Um, and she learned them, according to her, really organically. She didn't She didn't know how she was doing these things. And so she just called it, I can't remember if she called it the force or something like that. But it, it's like, you know, when you're talking about using yeah, key. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but she used the force, right? And so, so people couldn't lift her. And she could make these men fall all around the stage and there's a ton of stuff and I mean we could go into to more things about how that works but but essentially what happens is you're making force in angles with levers that it's hard to tell what's going on. And she went before scientists and they were like, oh, she's got some magic power mm-hmm. because we can't figure it out. So people who should understand the physics of how this is working, this is hard for them to see. Um, but it, it's not a trick. And I'm saying this, I'm telling you it's not a trick because I can do all these things, right? So like I have not seen any of these demonstrations that I can't duplicate. And it's because I've studied this stuff specifically. Right. But it's not, it's, it's just levers and angles. And they're just done in such tricky ways that it's hard to see uh, what they are. Um, but, but what Josh was talking about, you know, like, so when two big guys pick someone up and then all of a sudden that person comes down, basically what that person's doing is he's extending the lever, lever length. So, um, if two people have my arms and they lift me up and I extend the lever length outside of their base, right? So like they've got a base that they're standing inside of that, that sounds weird, but all I'm saying is where you put your feet is your base. If you're trying to hold something, right? So imagine lifting a ladder. If you lift a ladder, like, so let's say we're lifting a 10 foot tall ladder. It's not even a very heavy ladder, right? But I lift it up. And uh, when I lift it straight up in the air, it's inside my base, meaning the whole body of the lever is contained inside of where my footprint is, mm-hmm. right? Now, if I start tilting the ladder outside of my footprint, the ladder will start feeling heavier and heavier and heavier. Now, if I took a 10-foot ladder and tried to hold it horizontally, I couldn't, right? right Even if right. it was like 10 pounds or something, like I couldn't hold it because it's just so freaking long that that leverage is tearing its way out, right? And so this is what you do when someone picks 
you know, two people pick up a guy. All he does is he forces himself out. And he can force himself up, back, or sideways. You know, there's lots of cool ways you can do it. Um, and what's cool about it is um, you will inherently kind of know how to do this if you let yourself. If you don't freak out and go like, oh, there's no way I could come down, you'll figure it out. And if you don't know what's going on, I know because the first time I saw this, I didn't know what was going on. It will feel magical. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah. there's just some magic right. way that I get back down to the ground. But all you're doing is you're putting your lever outside of their base, and that becomes real hard for them to hold you up. And so you'll come down. You know, um, there's tons of things we could do like this. Uh, I teach a class a couple times a year where I go through all the ones I know, and I, I know quite a few at this point. Um, and they're really neat, and and they're really awesome, and they do show a really cool principle, and they show cool ways to use leverage and, and stuff that can make you seem very, very strong and powerful. And they're useful skills if you can use them when you need to use them. But mastering these stunts is always just mastering these stunts, right, right. you know. Um, and so, so you're not really getting better at martial arts, you know, like, and I don't mean to say that, like, if you could use these when you need to use them, that wouldn't make you better in a fight. It would. But basically, like, getting better and better at doing these stunts has a, has a, a cap. Right, um, right. You're never going to get so good that you can, like, punch a tank and the tank's going to be destroyed, right? right? So that's never coming, right? Every physical body has a, a max. Right. It's like maximizing your ability to uh, utilize what, like, the utilize your human potential to the limits that you are human right you know right like like you said it, it doesn't make you superhuman you can't punch a tank right but like it can make you figure out how to use angles and levers best how to you know uh align your bones because bones are very strong right like with each right. other that kind of stuff where it's like and it, yeah and the more people you hang out with that are non-athletic the more amazing this will seem like and the more you hang out with right. athletes who might not be able to explain what i just explained but they can do it a lot better than I can do it. You will not feel like it's as amazing, right? It's right? kind of so. like flexibility. It's like if you if you do something mildly cool and flexible in front of people that are not flexible, they're like, "Dang, how'd you do yeah. that? You know, how'd yeah. you get your arm your behind toes? your head?" Yeah. yeah. But then you get around other people like gymnasts and shit who are really really flexible, and they're like, "I could do that in my sleep. Yep, not no a problem. really big yeah. deal." You know? Yeah. You know when I when I hung out I hung out around a few professional athletes for a while, and um, it really was eye opening. You know, I'm a pretty athletic person, and and I understand a lot of what's going on. I've been able to train myself pretty well but hanging out with a really natural athlete who's got a better genetic capabilities than I do was like oh shit you know like you're a <laughs> creature right yeah. like you are right. amazing um and and so like a lot of times too those people significantly more athletic people can pass off the things that they do as as more than they actually are right so you know it, it if you took an NC2A wrestler and he wanted to have a lot of hype about um, that he does this thing in a special way and he got around people who weren't of that caliber athlete, um, those people would have no choice but to believe that he's right, right? Because he can do these amazing things right. and he says, it's this, you know? It's kind of like a, like a classic sci-fi story or something where it's like someone with better technology that's it's still totally attainable technology but is a few years ahead goes to people that have no idea what it is and goes and they all go wow you're a magician it's like right, no right. the guy's not a magician it's like wizard of oz or something it's like right. you're not a magician you're just a guy with some technology that's a few years ahead you right. know or has a, a little bit of information that you don't have right and and this is you know also like talking about um that you know th th there's a cap out to these stunts um i can do all of the stunts that i've ever seen performed as well as anyone i've ever seen do them and i can look really amazing if i want 
I still am not nearly as athletic as professional athletes, right? right? right. So, so that's why I'm saying there's a cap that like these things can only take you so far. Um, and so, and like, you know, that shouldn't bother you because the goal in martial arts is not to be the ultimate awesomest dude ever. It's just to be the best you can be, right? Yeah. Um, but to understand, you know, learning all these things is cool and there's there's use to them, but they also have limitations. And and not to mention they're just a little piece of the just a little piece. Puzzle. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just a, they're just a piece. Yeah. How, like, so you know, we're talking about these things and and how important they are. Um, and it seems as if a lot of times they don't get, uh, they get talked about maybe, but they don't get like looked at or really like we don't do as much with them as maybe we should. Like I was saying, like a lot of times some of these principles, how you they you learn them is by doing a technique, you know, correcting the technique to get the principle. So right. for instance, if I'm doing katate dori, tanohenko, you know, sotomori, right? That's going to teach me some haragi. Um, but if I'm going to do it really crappy at first, right? I'm going to correct the technique, which is actually correcting my hot The form, right, yep. The physical um, form, yeah. Right. So is there a reason and is and or is there a way that we could learn these things that's not like that, that is not that directly can, yeah. attached to a form so that we can maybe get it quicker, I guess is maybe the... I mean, yeah, no. Um, so... So yeah, um, there's a way that you so look when I go to seminars and stuff, and I do katate um, rotenko sotomori is a common, you know, every Aikido school does it. So you'll do that a little bit. I'm always amazed at how many different ways there are to do it, uh, how many different ways you'll see. And I would like to be able to ask people without feeling like an ass, but I, I can't. Uh, you know, if I if I get someone who we have a good connection with, I'll talk to them about it. But but you know, like if you you can't just ask someone, hey, why do you do it that way? Because people tend to get offended. And I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. Right. I just want to know, like, right. what is your motivation to do it the way you do it? Um, and and you know, I understand why I do mine the way I do. Like, so when I'm doing that practice, to me, it's about keeping the best haragi I can. Um, and so when I turn, I I feel like a block of steel, right? Now, now that's not true. It just feels that way to another person if I stuck my arm in a vice and I did a, a tin con I wouldn't rip the vice off the bench you know so so it's like there's a limit to that but for most people that feels really really strong right and that's my goal now there could be more goals I could be attempting to make hadoki every time sure, right sure. so right, right. so I could we work to clear right. my hand and I'm definitely trained with people that that does seem like that's their goal but do they know that's their goal and this is why I want to talk to them about it but in a cool the coolest way I can right, right. like is that your goal or or do you just think that's a byproduct of being super powerful um or you know some people dip their hands down now look if someone is so in life if someone is trying to hold your wrist and you were moving fast and you dipped your hands down it would be hard for them to continue to hold their hands and not fall on their face yeah yeah that's a good way to make hodoki so i think it's cool but that's not really emphasizing the the haragi right and so so what i'm saying like why i said yes and no is like that form is really good for teaching that i think and it's it's what we use it for in our school but um because we don't we're not really clear about why we're right, doing right. it that way it makes it really hard so is there a better way i mean it's, there's lots of practices of course and that's one of them that's really good um is is there a better one than that i don't know specifically better but that one teaches a lot of stuff that's really good so i would say that's a really good right, practice right. do it yeah but at the same time i would say if understand, you don't understand you're why doing. Right. you're doing right. it that way it's about how you're framing it when you're learning it or thinking about it or teaching it right like, i guess a, that's what i mean because you know we Hadagi happens all the time and we do it all the time. And I remember 
uh, you tell the story all the time. It's a great story. Uh, since almost the first day that I started training, you would say, hey, you, you keep your hands, uh, you, your hands right. are in this little box. Um, and, you know, and uh, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> and, um, you know, and if you look at what we do, yes, in all of the techniques, your hands should always be inside that box. And it's actually a really good little trick for you to see if you're doing a technique correctly um, is to, at various points throughout the technique, Check out where your hands are. Um, if they're not in front of you in some configuration, if they're off to the side or above you, um, you're probably not doing it correctly, right? right. Shionage, check it out if your hands are above your head. Right. So, um, that being said, so uh, this every day, every day, every day, probably every class, I don't know. And then one day uh, I said, it. it I, I can't remember what te- technique I was doing, but we were, I was doing a technique, and it occurred to me, hey, in this technique here, my hands stay, oh my God, we <laughs> do, and so I said, you know, it, yeah, it's like we keep our hands in, in front, front of, of our center. Like Josh exclaimed really loud like, in the middle of the class, you keep your hands in front of your center, and I said, yes, and he's all, no, really, you <laughs> always keep your hands in front of your center. Yeah. Well, it, and it was because I think I I... I you know, there was there might have been one technique or a couple techniques where it's it's more emphasized. But when you begin, but at that moment, it hit me that like no, everything like everything we do, that's the truth of it. Um, so when we're talking about it right now, it's like yeah, but it really is, you know, one of the most important things that you can yes. can get hammered into you. I so we have a student right now, Corey, who's kind of hitting this a lot, and it's, it's fun because. Um, you know, on ninth cue, uh, everyone has to give a description of haragi and what it is in a demonstration. So, so by the time you graduate ninth cue in our class in our school, you know what it is and you're able to say it. And mostly, you know, at first people just kind of parrot back what I've told them, and that's fine. Um, but it, as they train, it sinks deeper and deeper all the time. And so, I don't know how many times Corey's looked at me and said. Haragi, look at that. You know, yeah. because he's like, oh, what what was the problem? Well, I didn't do Haragi, which I learned on the first fucking test I took, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, somewhat similar for, um, you know, uh, the wave power and also like being, you know, uh, immovable. Those are all kind of things that are happening all the time within the training, but maybe we just don't look at all the time. Yeah. Um, being athletic is what you want to be. And that's I there's no different way to maximize human potential than to maximize human potential. Right, right. And that sounds it sounds like I said something redundant, but I, and I did, but the truth is you got to understand that. So so like a lot of people are like, "Oh, I want to learn these mystic ways." Right. The ways the Chinese learned, the ways the Japanese learned, the ways the British learned, the ways the French learned. If you look at awesome athletes, they're doing basically the, the same, same stuff thing. because that's the way the human body works. Well, and it's so interesting because so Aikido is a movement based martial art right um, so we have to be moving so we you would assume that we would want to move our bodies correctly but it's interesting because I think people like pull out um, when they're talking about martial arts they think that it's something else oh yeah man right and and I've actually seen it and I've done it a bunch of times you know so like um, I'm trying to think you know so a lot of times if we're doing just like our footwork drills um, 
I can do a normal walking step. Mostly everyone can do a normal walking. I'm, I walk all the time. When you, uh, right? Like I, we I walk, hope so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when uh, we're doing a footwork exercise, suddenly it looks different. Yeah. There's a different sort of thing that I do. Well, why? You know, like... There's no faster way to make people look weird than tell them they're doing a martial art. You know, like... That's you know, you're just like, hey, move like this. People would move like that and it would look cool. And go, hey, you're doing martial arts. Oh, now it's going to be sweet. Right. They're going to do a sweet special ninja way to do it. I know? really think it, like... And I've come back to this, to this for myself many times where I catch myself doing something weird like that. Like, I, I, look, I see myself stylized. in the mirror yeah. or... You know, you pointed out to me where you're like, hey, you know, don't do this thing. And it's like, wow, shit, I, I didn't even realize that I was doing that. And I think it's because I was trying to do it like I think it should look, right. you know. And that's mm-hmm. what I think that's a really big problem because we're, we're trying to emulate what we how we think something should. We're trying to look like how we think it should look. One, maybe the way that we think it should look isn't, isn't right. how it should look. Well, and we've just got some own weird, like we've got weird ideas about martial arts and we think they need to look a certain way. One. Two, like, we don't look the way we think we look. Right. That's, right. that's and, the bigger And one, right? three, I would also say it shouldn't be about how it looks at all. Yeah. It should be about the idea behind the thing. What am I trying to achieve right. The here? results you're getting out of your movement. I right. Think we exactly. see that. You see that a lot in Idi Minage, I think, um, where yes. uh, people are doing this thing uh, and it ends up being almost like a clothesline uh, because that's what it looks like. Or that's what they think that it looks like. And right? a lot Even of them though, do look like that, so right. that's what you would think it looks um, like. But that's not really what, what's going on. And if you you know, just take that out of it and just move your body correctly to the position that you want to be, utilizing our um, basic sort of tenets that we've laid out, uh, you know, hips and hips and uh, shoulders, you know, elbows and knees, et cetera, so forth, hands and feet, um, you'll do the right thing. Right. So, yeah, it's keeping in mind what do what am I trying to achieve right Right, now, you know, and then like pulling your own bullshit out of the way. Right. I think it's there's a lot of like asking yourself, how does that feel inside? And then looking and looking at the external result and making those two do a good thing together. Right. Because you can't just ask yourself, how does that feel inside? Because this is why a lot of karateka have shoulder problems is because, you know, you can make a ton of force inside your joints and it tears your joints up. But it's not making as much force outside as it could, right? Uh-huh. Um, and you can also, um, this is how a lot of uh, Western athletes destroy themselves. You can make a lot of force outside, but be destroying your joints on the inside, inside while you're doing that. So so you've got to ask both of those questions at the same time and see how do I feel? Am I feeling strong and capable and stable and, and like it's not as effortless for the result I'm getting? Um, and then look at the result you're getting and say, you know, am I hitting that hard? Am I moving that? Can I push a lot of force? Whatever it is, right? And I think that's really like, that's the, should be the role of the teacher or the higher student is when they're working with students looking at them and going hmm that doesn't look like how I that's that doesn't look like how it should look clearly they have some other idea of what's going on here you know what I mean and step in and go you know let me help you understand why this thing is happening and then let's fix the the side effects the physical Uh, aspects of that or you know perhaps there's an execution problem or you know maybe there's just as simple as a your haragi is not where it should you know what i mean like looking at all those elements and i think then later as you kind of continue to rank up it should be more and more your own role to do that for yourself right and have you know you require less outside uh 
uh, intervention and you intervene with yourself and go, oh, so <laughs> my hotkey's not there, you know? Yeah. It, I was reading a reg- uh, recently uh, Emmanuel Kant, and, and Kant says that um, uh, enlightenment is um, no longer needing tutelage, right? So, so basically, and like, and I think this is a real profound statement, which is like, you're on your own. You've mastered something. You've become your own thing. You're free and autonomous. Once you don't need someone else's input, right? Now, that doesn't mean you don't want it. You could look at it and go, "Hey, that's awesome." But like, when you understand how to how to judge if you're fucking up or not fucking up mm-hmm. on your own, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, and you will if if you endeavor to master something, you will notice yourself more and more like. I don't need to be told this anymore. Like I understand basically, this. I can I can catch when I'm messing up quicker than someone else can because that's the truth for everyone. You can catch yourself messing up way oh. faster than someone else. You know, I, I think a lot of people could look at me when I do stuff and go like, "Oh, that looked great," and inside I'm going, right. "No, it didn't." It's like, so funny. <laughs> I think that's a hundred percent true. And I think if people listened, like, paid more attention to themselves, they would be able to uh, like realize. Um, that something wasn't correct, and they would probably be able to fix it. Um, but a lot of times we just get so hung up on, like you're saying, either the way something's supposed to look or what you think the thing is that you can't do something right. You know, even yeah, as simple the- as like, you know, you're grabbing someone in a weird way, which is bad haragi, really, you know. Um, you should be able to go like, well, this feels weird why would this grab that i'm doing and i'm i'm mimicking a grab here for people who aren't in the room uh, <laughs> <laughs> um this grab feels weird what would make it better and then you just do that and i think a lot of times that that really helps um and that's what i'll do with students sometimes is just go like you know let's stop here for a second something's weird what it like because i can see it i said what is weird and then they kind of just like oh, I don't know, my arm is too high, or whatever it is. And it's just like, okay, let's fix it, you know. And I think if people paid a little more attention like that, they could help themselves out, you know. And I think the thing with it is, which is kind of coming back around to what we were talking about at the beginning, is that, like, at first, it's really hard to pay attention to yourself because you're coming in with all your own bullshit and and, and you're brand new and you're learning, you know, the word sensei and you're learning how to bow and, like, there's too much shit at at, at first, you know? Um, But but that's the time to really, like, lay a good foundation and undo that that bullshit, that, you know, bad hottie or whatever it is that you've got going on. Um, And that's the time to work on that before... Uh, and, and not throw at new people like here's a technique and like here's all this other shit because that's it's going to be difficult to learn you know these basic principles when you're trying to remember what the next move is or what right. the next step is it's right. like so you know like finding ways to really ease people into the like you know the new new stuff you know not throwing too many new things at them and letting them lay a good groundwork a good foundation um and finding simpler ways to help them practice the Fudo no Shise. And, and simpler ways to understand what it is. I mean, you know, one of the yeah. biggest things is just we have such jargony ways that we talk. Uh, and so, you know, I'm sure listening to this too, like it's hard to avoid the jargon at a, at a level, but but your jargon needs to be clear, you know, like so you, if you have a word for something, that word means this. And then, you know, I make sure my students can tell me what that word means. So that way there's no ambiguity about how we're using words and, and describing things because that ambiguity leads to confusion later down the line, right? Yeah. So if we're clear about what that means now, then that's awesome. We can continue to use that word credibly for the rest of our practice, which yeah. is what we want. And anytime you say, hey, Maya, you're 
Haragi's bad. I'm like, oh, Haragi, I know what right. that is. Right, you know? right. And she can quickly look at her body and go like, oh, okay, these are probably the problems. And 90% of the time when I say that to a student, they fix the problem without any further right. discussion because they know how I'm using that word. And that saves you so much time yep. later. Yep, yep, yeah. It's good. Okay, we are at 50 minutes here. Whoa. So yeah, I'm just tearing through material. It. Um, let's go ahead and thank our patrons. All right. Get so get on out of this uh, bad boy here. <laughs> Once again, thank you to everyone who is listening. Thank you very if, much. If uh, you do have an idea for uh, a upcoming episode, it doesn't have to be the 100th episode. If you have an idea for that, please send it along. Um, that would be great. Okay. All right. Our patrons, thank you so much. Uh, they are John Smith, Rob Kitson, Lenny Acuna, Yuli Simku, Matt Mumford, Urbano, Randy Stewart, Brian Crowley, Marcin Chiss, Franz Martinson, Hillary Jones, Jim Sullivan, Matt Riley, Thomas Polino, Lisa Klein, Floor Hennewick, Sharon Okada, Jim Gallant, Christopher Acido, Grant Templin, and Constantinos Andrew. We super appreciate awesome. Thank all you of guys. you. Yeah. And if uh, you are listening and you think this is uh, worth your support, you can go to Patreon. Um, you can find us there. Um, there's links on all of our social we also, media. To we have get a Facebook page, so. Um, so you can check out that Facebook page, um, and it will tell you little bits about us. And hopefully, we'll get more people. And I think there's only like 20 yeah. people who follow right now. But as we get more people, I'm sure there are more chit chat. Um, but it's a good way to to get a hold of us. Um, and also, if there's little problems with the podcast or something, yeah. uh, we'll post on there. Yeah. Okay. Tip of the week. Um, tip of the week. We already this gave week. some good ones. But. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of an extension of what we were just talking about, but it, it seems to be a problem sometimes, especially. I mean, it's hard to avoid from school to school, but at least within your own school, like um, having consistent wording for things, yeah. you know, really like going, okay, what does that word mean? Okay, now we're all going to use that word to mean the same thing, right? You know, and 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 that can, I mean, you know, it can be something. It doesn't have to be. Like, um, it means something really concrete because not everything in Aikido is really concrete. But, like, you know, saying this is what we mean when we say Aiki. You know, here's right. the pieces of Aiki. You right. know, here's what we mean when we, mean, when we say Ki-ai, you know. But also things as simple as this is what we mean when we, we, mean when we say Sugiyashi. Right, you know? <laughs> like, right. Or like, what, yeah, yeah. So, like, having... Ikkyo, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. You know, and, yeah. and, and you can even decide, you know what, later, actually, we think Ikkyo means more things than we did before. Sure, you sure. Know, it, it's, it's open for, I think, uh, constantly open and for And it will evolve. Your martial art will evolve. Your Aikido right. should evolve. Um, but And be okay with that, but just be clear as you go. Don't, you know, sneak yeah. stuff in or don't, don't leave things too ambiguous, you know. And I think if you're a student... Uh, like feel be okay with asking the instructor like hey so you said this thing the other day and i'm not exactly sure what what you mean by that can we can we talk through it a right and most that? instructors will be more than happy to sit and talk to you about whatever the key concept is yes, you know absolutely all right all right that is it so we'll be back next week 99 99 Ooh, that's good and then we'll have the big celebration the following week yeah. 100 uh we'll have some poppers and whatnot. poppers all right. oh that's like that. auditorily that gonna good. just yeah. be a, a wonderful be, be a wonderful great. mystical <laughs> will that happen around halloween Ooh, episode, it, might, it might. Maybe we do a Halloween oh episode. Goodness. Ooh, scary. Magical. I In costume. <laughs> 100 means we're also very close to our two-year mark here. That's pretty uh, awesome. Yeah. That's very exciting. That's two years. It's a long time. We haven't Woo! missed a week. All right. <laughs> Thank we you all for listening. We will see you guys, listen, hear you guys, talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Bye, guys. Boy, there you go.